Ola mi gente, your boy Sky John here today with the great Bruce King. He's smiling, okay? <laughs> Bruce, tell us who you are and what it is that you do. Well, I, uh, I'm a human being. Uh-huh. I've been on this planet for uh, almost more than 60 years now. Really? And uh, I you, design buildings. You have, a, you have this a young haircut. I don't know why. Dude, I'm Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you design buildings. I'm a structural engineer by training, but uh-huh. I got started messing around in green building mm-hmm. 30 years ago as it was getting started, and I've written books on alternative buildings, straw bale buildings, and earthen buildings, and I ended up doing a lot of aid work in various parts of the world. But lately, um, the whole conversation is about the climate uh-huh. and how buildings are part of the problem and can be part of the solution, and that's really my thing now is how buildings can be part of the solution to climate change, even as we house the several billion people who are going to be showing up on the planet in the near future. Right, and, 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 and the population's expanding, especially yes, in a lot of the, the developing world, right? Yes. So, so how, do we, how do we house these people in a, in a green, in a sustainable way? Well, it's not going to be easy, but there are ways. We have the technology. It's more a matter of just everybody being aware and uh, politicians being aware of how we can change the way we go about things. Right now, the way we build everything, the way we feed ourselves, we're sitting in a building right now, 200 mm-hmm. feet above the ground. Mm-hmm. I know how what's holding us up. You don't. We just trust the guy who designed it to do it right. But Okay, now you scare me because there are earthquakes in this city, so what the hell is holding us up? Oh, that's a long, that's a long conversation, <laughs> but it's, it's basically a lot of concrete and rebar. It's uh-huh. actually, it, it ties in. It's not just a joke. We do everything with, with materials that we use fossil fuels to make. We, you know, we burn rocks to make cement, and we uh-huh. melt rocks to make steel, and that's how we make a building like we're in right now, and that's uh-huh. why we feel safe above the ground. Even if the ground shakes, we're okay. But we can't keep doing that. We can't keep burning fossil fuels. We've got to find ways to do this without that. And we are finding those ways. You can do stuff with wood now that we could never do before. We can, we can turn straw from the farmers into building products and insulation. We can make stuff with clay, with earth. Mm-hmm. Historic earth and building that everybody thinks is just mud huts now and it's, it's for poor people. and yeah, yeah, yeah. is like coming back, we're realizing, oh, we can do all sorts of stuff with just that, without burning any rocks, without burning any oil. So that's the message I'm trying to get out there. We can feed... The people in in the developing world, like places like Sao Paulo and Cairo, mm-hmm. where I've been recently, and it's it's jaw dropping. And in Sao Paulo, yeah. Oh, and, and in all over China, all over the world, we're building the equivalent of another New York City every month on Earth right now. But it's not happening here in North America. So the peop- a lot of people listening to this might not get it. But if you travel uh-huh. in Africa, uh, especially East Asia or India. You see it happening in a building like we're in right now. They put one up every week. Don't even think about it. Uh-huh. We can do that without putting all the emissions in the air. We can house everybody. We can take care of everybody. Right now, we're doing it pretty badly. So I'm trying to get the message out to everybody. Okay, but is uh, I mean, what kind of techniques are you using in terms of in terms of these eco-friendly buildings right now? Well, there's many dimensions to that, but I'm a materials geek. That's what I bring to the table. I know about how to, I'm a structural engineer. I've been designing buildings of every kind for 40 years. And um, what we, what all engineers are trained to do is do things out of steel and concrete, sometimes with wood, sometimes with bricks. And that's all you learn in engineering school. They don't learn anything about the historic building methods of the Bahamas or of Egypt or of Brazil. And there are ones. And, and some of them are pretty funky and not worth keeping. And some of them are, are very clever and very smart ways to use with what's around you to work with the climate and weather that you've got. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm working with a lot of people all over the world to recover the cool technologies, the knowledge that we've had uh, up before the Industrial Revolution and bring it forward into buildings that are even better than anything we know. Okay, going, going back, he said going back to old technology. Right? I'm just curious, not trying to take you off topic, but the pyramids, how was that, how was that done? Because that, that's, that's a big mystery as well, or that's been solved? Um, both. It's both a mystery and been solved. As it happens, I was in the Great Pyramid. I mean, okay. literally in it uh, last April. Okay. A year ago. Uh, and it's awesome. The Egyptians um, were way ahead of everybody. When they built those pyramids 4,500 years ago, the rest of the world barely had writing yet. Uh-huh. Um, and w- we started to figure out the technology. It basically involved having a whole bunch of slaves and hauling rocks down the river on the Nile and floating them on there and then rolling them in on logs and that sort of thing. But um, the Egyptians were basically technologically really advanced over everybody else. And uh, we've more or less figured out how they did that. And there are things about how they did that that, um, that we can learn from. What, why, why, why do you think it stopped there? Why didn't you kind of see that, you know, con- continue like progression? Yeah. History doesn't go in a linear way <laughs> at all, at all. You know, when, uh, just for example, there was a, a big volcano blew up in the Mediterranean uh-huh. 3,500 years ago. Thera, the island of Thera. It's a tourist destination now. It's uh-huh. a big empty volcano full of ocean. And when that happened, it destroyed the dominant civilization in the Mediterranean, the Minoans. They had a, a navy that com- commanded the world. They had women captains of the naval vessels. They had streetlights. They had plumbing. They had all sorts of stuff in 1700 BC. If that volcano hadn't blown up and blown them off, literally blown them off the map, we would have had TV by the time of Christ. Wow. Think about that one. Yeah, Jesus giving a live speech. Okay. Jesus live on CNN. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but you need bread and fish for what? A few million people. That's a big. That's a, okay. So you know, we 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 take a few steps forward. We take a few steps back. Uh-huh. A comet hits. The volcano goes off. Things happen. Or, and um, civilization moves forward and then moves back. And you know, we're we're at a weird time right now for sure. Uh-huh. And no, no, no knowing what it's going to do, but. Um, so it doesn't move in a linear progression. So there's all sorts of technologies hidden back in history with what I do that uh, we're sort of uncovering now and and then bringing them forward with modern technology to do some pretty cool stuff. Let me, let me ask you again about something kind of ancient. Stonehenge, are, have you guys figured out how they did that? Yes, that was done with magic. <laughs> <Okay>. Druids. Druids. <laughs> I can't say anything more. I'm sworn. <laughs> Okay, okay, because it's such a big puzzle to me. How did God that stacked on top? Okay, got to figure that out. So going back to eco-friendly building, how long before you see homes like this in a place like the Hollywood Hills, where everyone has these nice flashy homes with the infinity pool? Could you still have a house that looks sleek and super expensive, but still be very eco-friendly? Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's happening. I was hearing at the conference yesterday. Uh, one of the cool new technologies is, uh, is hempcrete. Okay. Which is you take the, uh, the hemp plant, which is just like marijuana plant, only it doesn't have psychoactive properties. But it's a really amazing plant. And you grow hemp. It grows like a weed. It is a weed. And you can make clothing. You can make uh, oils. You can make food. You can make all sorts of stuff with hemp. When everybody takes off the hemp plant 
everything they want. What's left is just these um, stringy little herds, the, the stalk of the plant in the middle. That stuff you can build with. You chop it all up and you mix it with lime or cement and you get this insulating material that's really durable. It won't burn. The bugs won't eat it. It can hold up the roof. And um, people are starting to build with it. They're way ahead of us in the UK and Europe, but it's starting to arrive here in America. And I was just hearing yesterday about a celebrity I won't name building a hempcrete house in the Hollywood Hills. What, what kind of costs are you looking at, though? Would it be cheaper than concrete, or it's more expensive right now? Right now, things like that uh, are going to be more expensive because they're just getting started, and you have to get up to scale and all that before you can really compete. But sometimes things are, are not more expensive. I'm, concrete is like the, the big, it's kind of like the big gorilla in my world. 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions are just for concrete. Mm-hmm. And yet we, we already know ways to make concrete without that kind of a carbon impact, without affecting the climate. And um, up where I live in Marin County, we just passed a, a, a low-carbon concrete building code. It's the first one in the world. Nobody's ever tried to address car- climate through building codes. Okay. And that kind of climate, I mean, pardon me, uh, concrete is not unusual. It's been around for a long time. We, we built the new Bay Bridge in, in San Francisco using low-carbon concrete, not for the climate, but because it's better concrete. Resists the salt water and all of that. And uh, it doesn't cost more because you're using industrial waste products instead of the high-octane global warming stuff that we use right now for concrete. So a lot of the technologies are actually cheaper. They're just not known about. And as they, and as they scale, then the price would kind of adjust. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. As people start asking for it. If we get a whole bunch of people asking for hempcrete, it'll show up real fast. But right now, it's just not the case. You do, you do a lot of work with bamboo, too? Mm-hmm. Well, Not a lot, but I'm certainly aware of it, and it's a very cool plant. Okay, in in a in a, in a city like Los Los Angeles, yeah, and you let's say you you know you want you want a budget, can you build a bamboo home? Like, would 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 the city approve something like that? Well, the city of Los Angeles is the toughest jurisdiction in the world. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the Sinatra song: if I if you can make it in New York, <laughs> you can make it anywhere. Uh-huh. This is the toughest place. If you can make it in L.A. Um, but that said, yeah, sure you can. When I was working in Haiti after the earthquake, we designed um, uh, bamboo-framed homes for the Haitians after the earthquake uh-huh. uh, with uh, seismic isolation joints using old bottle caps and um, uh, all sorts of interesting technology, but basically mostly using bamboo because they have bamboo in Haiti uh-huh. and uh, structural-grade, lumber-grade bamboo, big stuff that you could make trusses and roofs out of that um, they weren't doing just because they didn't know about it. So much it comes down to just knowing the right thing at the right times. Life is like that in general, right? But mm-hmm. with building, too. I see people building badly in Port-au-Prince or in Palo Alto, back where I live. They're making stupid decisions, not because they're dumb, but because they just don't know any better. That, cause, cause that, that brings Because if you could make really low-cost, cost, eco-friendly buildings, I mean, because we have so, such a huge homeless population here in Los Angeles yes. and up in San Fran where you guys yeah, are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that just seems that that would solve so many problems. So why aren't politicians like really pursuing this? Well, the problem is not a material problem, right? It's it's much more land use and zoning and the public and all of that. I mean, if I if if you gave me a plot of land somewhere in L.A., I could come up with a an interesting way to do it with low carbon materials that are readily available and cheap. That wouldn't be the problem. That's easy to do. 
The hard part is is that we're a community, and you get people who rise up and say, "I don't want a homeless shelter in my neighborhood," and that's really the fundamental problem with homelessness. Yeah, we we had we had that situation because there was supposed to build one next door. This building complained, then they moved it down the street, down mm-hmm. the street because no one wants it on their no block. No one wants it, right? <laughs> they we, want it in principle, but they don't want it next door. <laughs> right, right. But we have it anyway because people outside on the street right now down yeah, you know downstairs. Yeah, so yeah, so I mean, you might as well allow a shelter nearby. Yeah. You know? It's so tough. I do a lot of work with uh, my local government where I live, and, and uh, my, uh, my building official taught me something about governing. Mm-hmm. I was starting to appreciate it. I said, you know, Bill, this is hard. Governing is hard. And he goes, yeah, well, actually, it's really simple. This applies not just to buildings, but to everything. Everybody just wants two things. Uh-huh. You do, I do. Everybody just wants two things from their government. Number one, leave me alone. Uh-huh. Don't impose any burdens on me, no rules, no fees, none of that. Just get out of my way, leave me alone. Number two, make sure that my neighbor, make sure that Sky can't do something that I don't like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All I ask you to do is do those two things and everybody's going to be happy. Uh-huh. And that's governing. Because <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, there's a video on YouTube that sh- um, out of San Francisco. The guy owned a, la- a laundromat, and he wanted to turn it into, I guess, condos or apartments, something like that. And he was he documented what he had to go through with the city of San, you know, with the city of San Francisco yeah. in terms of building this. And firstly, a lot of people complain that right. the, firstly the laundromat is a historical building. No, it's not. <laughs> And then Historic. it's going to be this height, which would then cast a shadow on the school right, across right, the right, street, right, right, and right. the kids won't be able to get the proper sunlight. Right, right. And he spent millions of dollars, and I still don't think it's approved yet. Yeah, yeah. You know? There are so many stories like this, yeah. It's, this is the hard part. Material stuff is often just a trivial problem in, in land use, you know, with, with how we manage our cities and how mm. we take care of homeless people and in all of that, it, it's all—it's all politics. It's not. Uh, you know, by the time they get to me, you know, all that stuff's been worked out. <laughs> so you way down the line. I'm way down the line. <laughs> how how is how has artificial intelligence helped you in 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 terms of design? Um. Well, it's not like there's any robots right now uh, doing the stuff that I talk about. In fact, a lot of the kind of work that I do and the kind of systems and technology that I talk about is is actually less robots. It's more about people. Like, mm. like straw bale building is this really cool thing that took off in America 30 years ago, and people are building straw bale buildings all over the world now. Part of the appeal is that it's a community thing. Everybody gets together and puts up the straw bale house. It's, it's getting away from that now, and people are mechanizing it and getting more industrial about it. But a lot of times when, you, when you're building with natural building materials, you're also building with other human beings. Uh-huh. The kids can be part of it. The old folks can be part of it. And everybody's out there putting up a straw bale wall or putting on an earth and plaster. So there's a really uh, uh, there's a wonderful element of bringing a community together, bringing a neighborhood together within a city, within a block of L.A. or any city. You could have community building projects. This is what I would love to see happen in any city someday. It's like, a friend of mine is trying to do this with vets in the Bay Area. Like, find some land that the vets are all shook up from being in combat and PTSD and all that, and they could build with earth. Building with earth, having clay on your hands has measured curative properties. It, it's good for your head. It's good for your heart. Mm-hmm. Just playing, and I, I know from personal experience, it's just good for you. And so people could sculpt their own homes with these techniques that we have for building with earth and have 
homes that they made themselves out of the soil from the site and be curative. And so many wonderful things could happen. But it's again, it's a land use problem. The neighbors wouldn't want them to do it. Right. Who, who wants a bunch of old vets sitting next door, right? In their, yeah. In their mud huts. Yeah. And yet, um, so we, we have a lot of um, cultural things to shift. You know, the technology for solving climate change is at hand. It's just a matter of deciding to do it. This is what I keep thinking about. Once we decide to do something, we can do it. We want to solve the homeless problem, we can do it once we decide to do it. Uh-huh. Franklin Roosevelt sat down and signed the executive order to uh, authorize the Manhattan Project. And it was only two and a half years, dude. Two and a half years. A bunch of guys brought together in New Mexico who didn't even speak the same language with slide rules and the first atomic blast uh-huh. on the surface of the earth ever happened. And that, that was within two and a half years? Two and a half years. John Kennedy gets up and says, we put a man on, on the moon. moon. Eight years. Eight years. Slide rules. Once we decide to do something, get out of our way. We are a badass species, uh-huh. for better or for worse. So, um, you know, I go around talking about materials, and it's all good stuff. But, but the main thing is that it's, it's, it's one facet of, of a thing where we get more community-based. We get people back in touch with each other and with their neighborhoods and their community. And we build buildings that, that don't wreck the climate that we depend on. So you, you, have, you have this, as a part of your eco, eco, um, build, eco build network, you call the um, building with the sky? Yeah. Phrase? yeah. Ex- explain that to us. Well, I heard about you, Sky. And okay. I- <laughs> thank you. Thank you for naming it after me. Mine have two Y's in it, though. Two Just Y's. Yeah, you made yeah, a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I set out a few years ago to write th- this book about, uh, I've written some books before, but I, I wanted to write a book about buildings and the climate. Uh huh. Because I work with a bunch of really cool people, which, just by the way, they're mostly women. Okay. It's just interesting. They're mostly women. It's only women care about the climate. <laughs> well, they're the ones who are showing up faster than the men are. Okay, guys, yeah. step up. Yeah, okay. right. Step it up, guys. <laughs> and um, and so it was the book was going to be about how, well, there's this aspect of buildings, the, the materials, you know, and there's a lot of emissions, the 8% for concrete and blah, blah. And here's, so here's another problem we all got to worry about. Well, there's basically going to be a big bummer kind of a book, right? But then I realized as we were getting started, I said, no, there's actually the flip side is the good message because we can flip everything around and make buildings be carbon sponges that uh-huh. absorb carbon by building with agricultural byproducts and building with wood and building in all sorts of ways that are actually pulling carbon back out of the air, a building made of sky. Okay, so when you, when you say pulling carbon back out of the air, if I cut down a tree and I use that wood in my home, that wouldn't still be pulling carbon, right? It wouldn't continue to pull carbon. It's not like it's actively pulling carbon while it's sitting there as a building. Mm -hmm. I mean by that that we make our materials out of the carbon that Mm -hmm. in one way or another was drawn out of the air. Okay. Chiefly with plants. I mean, they're really good at that. They take carbon out of the air and carbon dioxide and turn it into carbon. Um. The sidebar to that is that building with wood, it's not as simple as that because you've got to watch the forestry and how are you getting the wood? Are, you, are we just clear-cutting and ruining forests and, uh-huh. and screwing all the other creatures? That doesn't work so well. We've got to get that one together. And, th- and also for the food. The way we're growing food is not working for all the other creatures and not working for us. We're ruining our soil and everything. But all of that aside, that's sort of on the side of what I do, we can use the plants you know, there's a guy, Michael Pollan, who wrote these books about eating, right? Uh-huh. And uh, Omnivore's Dilemma and all that. And he boiled it all down to the three rules of eating, which are eat food, but not too much, and mostly plants. 
Those are his rules. A smart way to eat for your own body and health and for the planet. So we have the same one for buildings. Built shelter, but not too big and mostly with plants. Not too big, okay. Hey, that's, that's a problem here in L.A. That's a big sell in L.A., huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, because you need the 20 bedrooms. Once you once you get to a certain status in Hollywood, you know, you have to have that yeah, 20. Yeah, I know. Even though it's only you and your wife, okay? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I worked on a, I worked on a uh, uh, oh, I suppose it was a $40 million house up in the hills in the wine country, and it had a view of the whole Bay Area. Uh-huh. It was a spectacular site. And this house was spectacular, and it was huge, and it was... And... um. But I'm talking to the to the guy, and he pointed to this little shack that was sort of out on the tip of the land, and it was really just a shack. It was built on shipping pallets and straw bales on shipping pallets and some earth plaster. And he said, "My wife built that for her writing studio. Now she just lives out there because she just loves it. <laughs> this house is big and empty." <laughs> do Do you think the government should step in and stop us from building? these gigantic homes for only I, I realize that's kind of stepping on your on 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 someone's rights but but if you know that a guy is, is only one or two people should you really be building this 50 room house do you have children no not yet it usually doesn't work to just say no you can't do that anymore uh-huh. right yeah it doesn't work so well with human beings uh-huh. we don't like to be told that they get a reaction that's going to squirt around the side or something weird so you can't really do that. What you have to do is give them a better option, give them a more attractive option. And more specifically, like a carbon tax takes care of that. If you put a price on carbon, then you say, fine, you want your 50-room mansion that you're not even going to use. You're going to pay a carbon tax, a pretty heavy one. You're rich enough, you can afford it, great, you can do that. And then that money goes to support homeless shelters or people who are trying to build in a carbon-friendly way or towards research or something like that. But uh-huh. when you put a price on emissions, which we don't really have yet, then um, the people who want to build the huge mansions can still do it. They're just going to pay a big extra price that it's going to go towards something good to help the climate, that, help the land use. That probably won't go over well either, a carbon tax. No, nobody wants a tax. Uh-huh. That's a whole long conversation that isn't very much fun. But we but you feel that we <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to have some fun here, I think. But would you feel you feel we we have to do that. That's that's probably most the, the best way of forward. Of course, we're going to have to do that. Yeah. Um but you know, think about it. I mean, 100 years ago, we're here in LA. My father grew up around here. Okay. He used to take the trolley car from Pasadena through Orchards to downtown Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Through Orchards. Free, it's a freeway now, right? Okay. It's the what is it? The 90, the 10, I don't know uh-huh. what it is. Um and uh, Firestone got rid of the, of the trolleys and said, let's build freeways instead so I can sell tires. To right, 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 right. And he sold a lot of tires and made a lot of money. But the government levied the taxes on the gasoline and everything else to pay for building the freeway. So we paid. We did this. We've already done the same thing. That's what government does. You, you gather the money from people to do things that are in the public good that nobody's going to do on their own. So uh-huh. that's, how, that's, how gov- that's what government is for. When you and I can't on our own decide to do something that we know our community needs, we don't have the resources, we can't make it happen, and that's what government's for. How long But how long you think it'll be before we have, I should say, before presidential candidates or future presidents realize, okay, this must be done, and okay, here it is, we can have a carbon tax that's supported by both parties. Right, right. How far will you think we are from something like that? Well, Donald Trump isn't returning my calls <laughs> just yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> so you you're the one he was talking to on those unsecured phone line calls. It may be a while. I mean, I've, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like America right now is like such a movie, such a theater, right? Uh huh. I hope I live long enough to see how this spins out because everybody's. Everybody's all twisted up now. You either watch Fox News and you like Trump, or you uh-huh. watch everything else and you don't, uh-huh. and not much in between. It's it's bizarre and it's it's awful. It's tragic. So, how soon will we all come together? We may never, because America's always been a divided country, uh-huh. and uh, people have always been quarrelous and contentious. You know, you just. You know, if we sat here long enough, Sky, we'd start arguing over that glass of water right there. You know, it's maybe even fighting each other. Like, it's my fucking wall. Because yeah, yeah. then we just, we, we're just weird apes, right? Yeah. I mean, no, we're but just... that'd be a great video. We should probably do that. I think this could get some more views. So you swing first. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a chicken. I'm, I'm going to lay down and just. <laughs> All right. No, we, we could fake it, you know, but. To, to get a couple of views, I'll, I'm I'm down. <laughs> hey 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 hey, that's my water there. <laughs> so you so you so. I, I guess we we would get there at some point. It's just the thing is like now with with all the technology out there, like even I who not not a science mind can look and see how much ability we have to move forward, and it's just that it's just no one's doing it like. We could get to the next level, you know, in, in, in human development. And we, it's just, it's just, you know, frustrating seeing that all this, all these things can be done. Like, how are you talking about homes, the way we should be building them? And we have the technology, but we're not using it. You just need someone to guide us towards that, you know, that goal. And it's not going to be one person. And you really need the government to step in and to, to believe in that, to make that happen, you know? And go- I don't think government's going to do it, and it's not going to be any one person. Jesus may already be here, <laughs> but how would we even know it, right? They didn't recognize him 2,000 years ago, right? Uh, Got to look at his ID. So, <laughs> a, few people, a few people have said, you can either, you know, a wise man once said, you can either think of your life as it's happening to you, uh-huh. or you can think of your life as it's all happening for you. Uh-huh. In other words, to learn from. Yeah. Even when the bad stuff is happening, you go, okay, what am I, I going to learn from this? Is climate change happening to us, or is it happening for us? Is it going to just possibly? This is your, this is your optimistic scenario. Is it's happening? It's going to be the thing that wakes us up a little bit, where we learn to get along a little bit better and have the spiritual enlightenment on a grand scale that it, people talk about. You know, hey, how's that going to happen, right? Uh-huh. Uh, everybody's going to suddenly wake wake up woke. <laughs> um, I don't know, but maybe this is going to be the. The moment in our history when it does that, it seems like either that or we go down the tubes. Yeah, it doesn't. It's, you know, it looks pretty dark. I don't think Vegas has good odds on the human race right now. <laughs> but but it is it is beginning to change because you see even people um, even um, <clears throat> with young people in general they believe climate science, and you're beginning to see a lot of guys from political parties who might not be, who. I guess publicly say, "Hey, I don't believe in cli- you know climate change." Climate deniers even realizing, "Wait a minute, now the base of our supports begin uh, beginning to disappear, yeah, and yeah. these people really want us to address this." So, yeah. so you see that, you know, even even like even hardcore guys that support Trump, like Matt Matt um, Matt Gates um, out of Florida, I, uh-huh. I, I, he speaks because because of what happened with Dorian and all the recent hurricanes. They realize, "Wait a minute." We can't have this climate denial position. We have to adjust to the voting base. So 
it will change. It's just, I guess, young people have to fill up more of the, the voting block. So yeah. it could be 20, 30 years out. That's oh. how I finish my talks now. I show <laughs> pictures of Greta Thunberg and all these wonderful young activists all uh-huh. over the world of every color and gender possible who get it and are out there hollering in the streets. you, you got to hit the streets. But you do you think, you think people take us seriously, Greta? I do. I sure do. Uh, who heard of her two years ago? That's and now true. she's affecting the world. And um, I mean, sure, the climate deniers like to make fun of her and say pejorative things and all of that. But um, the young the, the young people get it because they're the ones whose future is trashed. You know, I'm uh. going to be dead before that. So in a way, I don't care. But I care a whole lot, actually, because I have children. Uh-huh. I hope they have children and all of that. But... Um, I don't know what is. Is it like we have to wait for all the climate deniers to die? I just I can't believe that's the <laughs> that's our only choice, no, our but, only hope. Because well, well, I because I, I had a conversation with someone about this yesterday. With climate denial, it's it's a it's a weird thing because a lot of the politicians that we look at as climate deniers, these guys went to the best schools. Some of them had really good grades yes. and are highly intelligent. Right. So you know they only saying what they're saying to appeal to a certain lobbying group. You know, because that's where the that's where the, the money and support comes from. So they have to say what they're saying. But if you were to catch them one on one after a couple drinks, when you could get a politician to be honest, See, that's the thing is you need to get <laughs> you need to get Rupert Murdoch in here. Wouldn't you love to have an hour with Rupert Murdoch, yeah. dude? You're smart enough to know this. What what's the game? What do you play? What do you expect to do? It's just because you're making money off of it now, and the uh-huh. planet gets trashed. Where's your end game there? You have grandchildren, dude. What are you thinking about? But but it is changing because there are certain Wall Street companies now who look at oil as being as dying and realize that hey, this is not the it's future. A bad even, bet. Yeah. Even even Saudi Arabia, they're changing. They're moving away from yeah. oil, you know, and trying to get into other things because they realize the, you know the the clock's ticking. So so it it is it is happening. Yeah, yeah, you know. But I, yeah, it's, but something's going to give. Something, something's got to twist or give or break. Maybe it was Mitt Romney voting against, <laughs> voting for the impeachment. I don't know. I don't know what it'll be. You know, it's, it's just an amazing movie playing out in front of us. <laughs> is it happening to you or is it happening for you? And I speak, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like a heterosexual white dude. You know, I've been dealt all the aces, so I'm pretty comfortable, right? So I don't want to be cavalier about it. Uh-huh. You know, out there... Trying to help, doing well, what I can. But let me let me ask you a question about what you just said. Heterosexual white guy, right? Like um, the the whole white privilege argument. You don't think that that makes a lot of white men upset? Yeah, it obviously does. Yeah, but but, but I mean, yeah. is is it fair to paint all white men with a broad brush like that? Because you could be white as snow, depending on where you're from. You're still struggling in a yeah, lot of, right. a lot of a lot of areas. Right. Yeah, you go to those unemployed coal miners in West Virginia and yeah. talk about white privilege. You're going to get your ass shot, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. like, I, I get, I get it, and it is true, you know, in a lot of situations. But saying that to certain groups is like, dude, I'm, I'm out here struggling, yeah. you know, and, and you trying to paint me as being the privileged one, for sure. And that's there's a lot of nuance to that one to, that we could talk about. I was just mm. only making reference no, to no, my I own get personal get, case. I'm I a get, very very fortunate guy. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get that. I was yeah. just wondering, like, how 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 do we as a society approach that 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 um that topic of white privilege without isolating and and demonizing the entire group? 
You know, you know, it's it's kind of a default thing in my experience with human beings is we, when we get, when you get afraid and you get angry, you start demonizing somebody. Mm-hmm. You find it, it really doesn't matter who you find somebody to demonize, and I see it happening with all my lefty friends in the Bay Area. You know, and so when somebody's ragging around on Facebook about how horrible Republicans are, I just turn it off. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Was that old line from John Lennon's uh, from Revolution? If you, if you hang in with people with minds that hate, all I can tell you is, brother, you have to wait. Uh-huh. And it's not just New Age woo-woo stuff. We should all love each other and kumbaya. It's just the truth. If you're holding hate and you're and you're putting somebody down, and I'm feeling snotty about the guy in West Virginia because he's got white privilege and you ought to. No, I don't know. I don't know what anybody's situation. I don't know what your life is like. I don't know what anybody's life is like. Uh-huh. I'm here with my wife for 30 years. I don't know what her life is like. <laughs> and she doesn't know what mine is. We can't really know each other. And then you get you get kind of humble. You go, I just don't know. You can pay for that and in then the car not, ride home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you mean you don't know me after 30 years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. And, 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 then, and then you go, okay, I don't know. And it's wonderful. Then you uh, can relax. And you can't judge anybody. You just uh, don't even, you're just like, okay. And then you can start getting a new perspective on everything. I keep thinking I want to just drive across the country and go hang out with these people who are supposedly my antagonists, my adversaries, uh, the bad guys. And they think I'm the bad guy because I'm the liberal, rich, white guy on the uh, West Coast. I don't know. Human beings are just human beings. And we have, you know, we have 99% of everything in common and just like a few things that make us different. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And we highlight those differences. But how do we... How do we hold that mindset, right? Because it's just so easy to just get angry and judge people, and, and you want we all, we want to have villains that we can blame things on. It would be it would be cool if the government had a program wherein kids from Los Angeles can go visit with kids in Alabama, and then kids in Alabama go hang out in New York, and New York go hang out in Montana, and 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 really see each other's situation because it'll bring us closer together as a as a just a society in general, understanding. You know the differences that that we we don't have that much. Um, we, we're not we're not that far apart. Just minor differences. I yeah. think it really because you see that a lot when you travel. Like when you go to a new community and you realize they have the same cares and concerns that Americans have. You know they they want yeah yeah. I was thinking the same when the airport coming here. We were sitting there waiting for our flight, and this old guy comes walking by. Big old white dude with faded <laughs> blue jeans and a and a plaid shirt and you know. Just like he just came off the ranch where he's been working for 300 years. Uh-huh. And with a baseball cap and he's just kind of looking around. And then a moment later comes this really hip uptown black couple. Uh-huh. Beautiful, young, uh-huh. just like dressed. And poof. I said, what if you just made a movie? You just took characters like that with their stereotypical appearance uh-huh. and to put them in each other's shoes, shoes right? Yeah. Yeah, they they what was that show called? Wife Swap? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was not the best example. You don't want to trade off your wife, although you might be in trouble when you leave here anyway. So yeah, I'm already in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so so you you were driving one day and you saw a Tesla that had a license plate that said zero carb. Right. And t- tell us about that. Well, that's how I started my book. I guess you you read that little bit. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. I, I I pulled up behind a Tesla. I think zero carb. I don't know. It was, they all say that now. Or it was on the around the whatever, but it, around the license plate, something like that. Because uh-huh. I've seen a bunch of them since. Okay. Okay, well, that's cool. Zero carb. The p- guy who drove it or Tesla wants everybody to think it's a, we're not emitting anything to the climate. We're not. We're we're good guys. You know, we're not doing anything bad here. 
and uh, I didn't quite use this language in the book, but it was bullshit. Uh huh. Because the Tesla didn't just appear in the world out of thin air. It was made by a bunch of materials that were basically came, if you go back far enough, they were scraped out of the ground right. somewhere and then boiled or munched around or bathed in acid or done all sorts of things to end up with the plastics and the foam rubber and the steel and the glass that you end up with a Tesla. Or for that matter, this table or this microphone uh-huh. or my clothes. Uh-huh. So there's a background, there's a supply chain, and there's all sorts of emissions and weird chemicals involved in all of that, including a Tesla. It has a huge footprint, which I think they're aware of that at Tesla, and they're probably trying to work on it. I hope so, but everything has everything has a cost. Everything appears in this world at a cost somewhere, and what we're trying to do is simplify that cost or lessen that cost. That's what natural building, as we call it, is for. You don't you don't boil it, you don't bake it, you don't burn fossil fuels, you don't move it very far. You use what you've got and what what's around you. It's the best way to eat, the best way to build, best way for everything. So uh, my objection in that saying that was that let's not be disingenuous. Let's not bullshit people. Say, uh-huh. oh, the Tesla is the solution to everything. No, we still got a lot of work to do. It's a good start. Electric cars are great. We have to electrify everything for sure. But I was calling them on their. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a Tesla, by the way? Funny you should ask. <laughs> I was all set to buy one uh-huh. right up until the new year. Okay. An $1,800 tax credit ran out on December 31st. Tesla in, in my area said, okay, we got one for you. Great. Put my money down. So you're going to have to go pick it up at the Tesla factory in Fremont on New Year's Eve. I said, okay. And I was halfway there on New Year's Eve in my, in my Lyft ride, and I got a text from Tesla. No, sorry, it's not ready yet. You'll have to wait. And as it turns out, there were several hundred people at the factory waiting to buy a Tesla. And then we didn't get our Teslas. And the tax credit ran out, so I'm out 1800 bucks basically. Uh-huh. And I ended up getting a, a different electric car. Okay. And I don't have a happy feeling about Tesla in my mouth as a result. But but I've heard I've heard problems I've heard problems in terms of getting your stuff one time and you know they've they've had these issues. Well they have a lot of demand. People it's a cool car. Uh-huh. Um but um they're just to have more demand than they can keep up with. I think that's their general problem with that. Yeah. They're doing, they're doing some cool stuff. They're advancing the technology. Mostly that may end up being that the battery technology will be where they really make a difference in the world. Because that's, that's a big hang right now, right? I've got yeah. solar panels. But having a battery to keep you going through the night is another story. So w- when, you, when you build a home, do you um, your, your sustainable homes, are you using solar panels as well all the time? Generally, California just about requires it now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember. I, I ought to be up to speed, but does anybody know? Sarah, do you know? I don't think we require it yet. It's not required, but... Um, it's encouraged. Certainly, it's encouraged. And it's the future. People are going to be doing that. There are, there are states, the red states, that, that discourage solar panels, make it hard, um, penalize you for putting up solar panels because you're taking money away from the utility or some nonsense like that. Really? Oh yeah, the states are penalize you for using solar. That is yeah. the dumbest where did thing I read? Where did I read about that? I, you know? I, I shouldn't say anything because I, I don't have the details. Okay. But it was something okay. really stupid. Okay, everything is going to be localized. Energy energy production is going to be local. You're not going to be buying it off from some big company a million miles away, owned by investors who are in New York or London. Uh-huh. You're going to be you're going to have micro something called a microgrid. It'll be locally and it'll be solar and wind, with batteries. The future of energy is is. It's changing a lot, and it's going to be more localized. Food production is going to be more localized, and home production is going to be more localized. 
Yeah, because the, because um, with food production, I know I um, they call it vertical farming, where they yeah. grow stuff in these warehouses. So like you could grow food downtown in LA. a city. Yeah, in, in the city, city, like right next door yeah. to the market. Yeah. Yeah, and there are technological problems with that, but they're not difficult ones. Yeah, I mean, they, they will, they, I know they still, they use a lot of energy right now, but in time, they feel that they'll, they'll be able to work stuff out. Right, we'll get really efficient with the energy and the water required. And just imagine, like, walking around any downtown, and all the facades are green, you know, and there's, there's food growing on them, and they're just green. Number one, the temperature around you is going to be 15 degrees cooler on a summer day, just because... It's green. It's absorbing energy. Why, why? Why don't we see that right now with the building code, where, wherein, um, if you build something new, you have to have some plants involved. That'd be tough. We can encourage that, and, and uh-huh. I think uh, we're starting to see regulations that encourage that. But you, to make somebody do any particular thing is really certainly in America anyway. Nobody wants to be told what to do. Um, but we're starting to craft regulations. A lot of people at this AIA conference yesterday downtown, uh, people from the Department of Water and Power and uh, Transportation, Metro, were talking about how they see the future and how we're going to get around uh, and how we're going to house ourselves and what a downtown's going to look like, what a neighborhood's going to look like. What, what, what is downtown going to look like? My own personal thing on that is, is, that we, is that tall buildings suck, in a word. You think so? Yeah, I know so. But but we have to go up with all the people in L.A.? No, we don't. You don't think so? No. We do have to urbanize. People are moving to cities, and that's a good thing, because we have when you live in a city, you have a smaller ecological footprint than you do living out in the country. I got a lot of friends who built their own straw bale house out in the country on an acre, in the, and that's a very non-green lifestyle. What, you're, what, you're driving the, all the time and you're... Oh, you mean like driving back and forth. Well, and you also, you, you built your house when what used to be open country and belonged to all the creatures and they were having a good time and then you came along and crammed in your dirt road with a bulldozer and built your house and now it's your place. And, Shit, I, but know, also I, you, know, I know he just blew my mind with that because I was thinking, that dude's really green. No, but it's not. Turns it's out not. I'm green and I'm in the city. You're the green one. <laughs> okay. Pat yourself on the... But also... Um, from everything I've read, it's it's better for women and children. The the fut- the key to fixing the climate is taking care of women and children, giving women rights and education, giving girls education. There's also there's just a ton of literature that points to that. You can mm. read Paul Hawkins' book Drawdown. Okay, has all of this stuff about the, the easy solutions to climate change. So we'll be localizing stuff, and people are moving to cities. But to have house everybody in cities doesn't mean having tall buildings. You can have buildings that are like six, eight, ten stories high, like the traditional buildings all over the world, the beautiful Uh cities of the world, London and Paris, Tokyo, Beijing. They only went as high as people could go up in stairs, and and they only went as high as structurally the materials they had could go, and that was ten stories tops. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, when you limit it to ten stories, you get light and sunlight on the streets. You can have trees growing on the streets. Oh, okay. You You don't walk in the sun. And yeah. people have sunlight in their windows. And and you can still have all sorts of density, all the density we need. Look around L.A. I mean, it's really tall downtown, and the rest of it is one and two stories. Mm-hmm. This huge basin, one and two stories everywhere except for an occasional downtown area. But, but that's beginning to change because this building right now, the one we're in, is I think 24, and right next door is 30. Yeah. And th- like this this kind of the new thing, these high rises in Los Angeles, because I think that was look frowned upon because of earthquakes. Yeah. But now you see a lot of these 20, yeah. 30 story buildings beginning to pop up. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and I'm being idealistic here, but it, it, ideally we could we could spread it out more and not go above ten or fifteen stories. But you know, I told you about how in the world we're building like another New York City every mm-hmm. month. Well, when I drive, or when I saw these cities, like I drove in, I was in Beijing a few years ago, and I just took a picture out out the window of the cab I was in, and I use it in my slideshow now, and it's just a bunch of 20-story concrete buildings filling the skyline, and they're putting those up as casually as you and I drink this glass of water, because mm-hmm. they'd have to for all the people moving Yeah, because China's huge. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they're really, and they're crummy buildings. They don't have building codes. They don't, they don't have insulation. They don't have great building codes in China? No. <laughs> no, they have good engineers. They have uh-huh. great engineers, but but, they, but they're not required. But they're moving to. so fast, they just can't afford to. And so, you know, weird stuff happens, like buildings just suddenly topple over one day. Or uh-huh. when they have a big earthquake, they had a big earthquake in southern China a few years ago, and a bunch of school children died. And they hushed it up as best they could, but because they just don't have building codes. This is, a, you know, this is again the thing about governing. People don't want to be hassled, but don't let my neighbor do something I won't like. And that's uh. one of those things. We have, when we had an earthquake in the Bay Area, the last big one was Loma Prieta 20 years ago. Uh-huh, I remember that. And it killed 63 people. You know, and did a lot of damage and killed 63 people. The same year, there was an earthquake of the same size in a less populated part of Armenia, and it killed, uh, I think it was 30,000 people. And the difference is building codes. Because, because we regulate ourselves, because we let ourselves be governed, because it's in our best interest. Uh-huh. We do this, and China's not doing that. They're just, and it's, I'm sure they would say, we can't do that. We can't, <laughs> we can't do that. We, we, it's just Wild West. We have to keep going. We can't afford, at least they think that. They obviously think that. I can't, I mean, I can't speak about China with any authority. Yeah, but, no, but I, get I you, know I get you. nobody has the kind of building controls that the U.S. has. That U.S. has, especially California and Japan have. Yeah, Japan's, Japan even began reclaiming the sea and putting stuff up. Yeah, they, they know how to deal with earthquakes in Japan. They're, uh-huh. they're pretty good at it. So, so our building code right now, as an architect, everything, all, if, you, if you stay current, what, what magnitude earthquake are, you, are we able to handle? Oh, we're ready for a big one. Oh, yeah. What we engineers do is... Um, the, the, the basic idea is you don't design the building to not have damage. You design it to the, you and I can get out alive. We're up here on the, what are we on the? We're on the 17th, 20th? No, it's the 12th floor. 12th floor. Uh-huh. Well, whatever it is, um, that the building might sustain a lot of damage and it'll be very scary and all of that. But, and even if the elevators go out, we could, we could get down the stairs and get out and be safe. That's the fundamental thing that we don't mess with. And if it's a hospital, we either have an even higher standard. If it's a police station, fire station, we give extra care. But the windows will break, and a lot of things will break. But, you know, we've, we've learned a lot, and we're a lot better at dealing with earthquakes. So um, we're in good shape. Okay. Buildings over 30 years old, I'd be a little bit nervous about. Okay, so don't buy an old building. Not if it's big. <laughs> Okay. Oh man, f- I'm gonna hear from some lawyers <laughs> no, about no, that. No, no, because my I have a friend that just bought a a, a mansion like up in the Hollywood Hills that was built in like 1930. I hope you listen to this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably by now it's been worked on and, and retrofitted a bit. I've done a million of those around the Bay Area. An old house, uh-huh. a beautiful old home, and they want to preserve it. And they hire me, and I go in there and <clears throat> snoop around and measure everything. Say. And try to be as unintrusive as I can to say, we're going to have to lose this window here and put plywood on the wall and cover uh-huh. it back up. 
and there's all sorts of work like that in every city in California, and I, I do a lot of it. But, so, you, but you're not required to do it for an old, for an old you're building. You're not required to. But you'd be pretty stupid to be living in a 30s Hollywood Hills mansion uh-huh. that's worth $10 million. I don't know what it's worth. Mm-hmm. I and, think his was like four-ish. And just, and just be exposed to the earthquake in one... <laughs> in ten, one ten-minute period, your whole thing is trash. Okay, okay. Well, my my home needs to have been built in ni- in twenty twenty. Okay, <laughs> I can't I can't go back. So so let me ask you. You I'm, you you just, you told us this story about this huge mansion that you built out in. Um, I forgot what you said it was, and the wife lived in a little. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you encounter a lot of stories like that. I do. Yeah, people build these big homes because the social, you know, you're in Hollywood, uh-huh. you're in Beverly Hills, that's what you got to have. I don't know. I'm sure glad. I don't want to be part of that world. You know, uh-huh. if I had all the money in the world, I wouldn't do that. But there they are. I can't I, I can't judge somebody else's situation. What do I know what it's like to be Brad Pitt or something like that, right? So so let me let me tell you this this story. So I used to date a girl who did design. She worked at a, a small, a boutique design firm here in Los Angeles. And they were doing this house for this wealthy couple out in Orange County. Really rich. They they, they own a lot of stuff. So <laughs> they had been working on this house for over five years. Here's why. Because the, the wife would bring in, let's say, tiles from Italy. Uh, she had a tiles from Italy. She had a staircase from Italy. And they'd come in install, put everything in, and then she'd go in, not like it, tear it out. The architect would have to redesign, and then they'd bring, and all, everything was expensive. Like, they would, they spent, she spent millions and millions of dollars just redesigning stuff that she had already approved to the point where after a few years, even though the company was making money because they would charge her each time, The staff became so demoralized. They were like, no, we don't want to deal with this yeah. anymore, even though the money's good. You ever encountered a situation like that? I've had projects like that. like that, yeah. Not very many. People just have so much money. They basically yeah. have nothing else to do but to just keep. You're just saying this to get me upset, aren't you? <laughs> she, 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 she had a, she had a, because we went to, um, one. they have a, a boat thing in Orange County, like where all these people on these luxury yachts and stuff yeah. pass by with lights. and Because the home's on the water. Right. And so that's how I got to see it firsthand and as it was being built. And they were like three or four years in at this point. And I looked inside and everything was ultra expensive and literally like a month later, ripped out again and, and start over. <laughs> that's a bit extreme, but I, I've seen projects like that. And people who just have too much money and don't know what to do. Uh-huh. I was going to say I can't judge, but actually I can. I can judge. <laughs> that's bad. Please that's judge. bad. Please judge. <laughs> It was easy. It was so easy. I'm going to try yeah. judging again sometime. I, it's just, it's just this, this staircase was handmade, hand, handcrafted, ouch, ouch. you know, from Italy, and they took it out. It wasn't like my kind of staircase. It, I, did, I didn't like particularly like the design, but just the fact that it was handmade from Italy, you know, yeah. that's the first thing. If it was my home, someone walked in, hey, that staircase, handcrafted in Italy, and she just tore it out. I was like, Wow. They spent so much money. But, and it's also interesting that uh, in the few cases I've had, not quite as extreme, but like that, uh-huh. that if it goes on too long, the contractor leaves. Even though he's being paid, she says, I'll just pay you. I'll pay you for everything. Uh-huh. I'll pay you to take it out. Take you to put it in. Take you to take it out. Pay you to take it. Eventually, the carpenters, they don't want to be there anymore. 
because they have some pride in their work. Uh-huh. They worked hard to make a beautiful thing, and then somebody says it has no value. Take it. How would you feel, right? Yeah. Um, and they and they leave. They won't keep working on it, so they have to find somebody else. And they yeah, do. And yeah, yeah they, they went. They went through a couple different. They went through a couple different builders. I mean, everyone was changing because this was this was high turnover. Yeah. And she would show up on. She would show up on. Um, she would show up at the property sometimes and just go off on everyone. That's another thing. They had to deal with her shouting at them a lot, you know. And everyone took it because again, she would pay on time. The checks never bounced. Yeah, the money was yeah. always on time, and yeah. they did it for a few years. It just became a problem. Yeah. Over, over time. That's what you call expensive money. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think I'd rather be a little more poor and not have to listen to this. Yeah. So, so tell us, okay, as we wrap up, what, what, so someone out there listening to this, they don't have a lot of money, yeah. but they would like to do their part in building their next home. Like, what can they do just, you know, to, to build something that's eco-friendly, but not that's gonna break. It's not gonna break the bank. How do you go find? An, how how do you go about finding an architect to design something and, and contractors to execute that? Oh boy, um, I wasn't ready for that one, but because um, <laughs> that, that's hard. It, it it's one of those things where if you start googling around, I, I want to find a green architect in the L.A. basin to help me remodel my house. Well, you're gonna find all sorts of stuff, and you're gonna have no idea what what is what. Um, that said. If, if they have, there are some basic standards like uh, the U.S. Green Building Council is the biggest organization. Okay. And if they're certified, uh, LEED certified with them, that's a start. I've seen a lot of people who are terrible and they're LEED certified, so it doesn't mean that much. But if they have a track record of doing good buildings, you have to basically look at the portfolio. But a lot of, most people aren't, don't even own a home or, or aren't going to remodel. I'm not talking to most people in in a sense because uh-huh. most people are barely getting by and they don't have time to even think about any of this stuff. But what I can say to your audience is is um, if you look around you and you're smelling things you don't like, you, you might want to try to get rid of them. And that might be um, painting with low VOC, volatile organic compound paints, repaint your house, cover something up, or get rid of a bad, uh, get rid of a stove or electrify your home. Get rid of the gas stove and get an electric. You can, you know, there's really cool induction cooking stoves now that are great, and you don't have the gas, which is a horror for the climate. We oh. thought natural gas was clean. It's not. It's bad. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any, like, there's the general advice, and it's hard to say because everybody's different, and mm. most people don't have a lot of money. The, that woman you just described, of course, is a, a strange <laughs> extreme. <laughs> yeah. And most of us are just trying to get by, you know, uh-huh. raising our kids and working our jobs and all of that stuff but if it smells bad it's not a good thing if it's if it doesn't look like a building material to your grandma it's probably not a good building material okay and um those are the two things like the new car smell remember we used to grow up the new car smell oh cool no that's not a good thing it gives you cancer and so is (laughs) so is the new house smell i didn't even think about that just now no my goodness i used to love the new car they even sell that as a fragrance at the gas station i have a new electric car and it's a i I regret getting a car in winter because i want to just have the windows open all the time i don't want to smell all that because they're just weird petrochemical compounds that they use to glue everything together and make the car see the thing that sucks most about smart guys like you is when you guys tell us stuff that's quite obvious you know, it really hits home like that new car smell. Now I feel that I just lost five, ten years of my life, you know? <laughs> and I didn't know that before. You know, <laughs> yeah, and you can buy it in a spray can at the gas station. You're right. 
yeah, that's yeah. It's probably not good. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? If you if if you just think about it, you know, once you decide you want to, you know, something's not right about my home or the way I eat or the way I get around. Uh-huh. But if you if you just set your intention, everything else falls into place. If you never set your intention, it won't ever come into place, no matter how much it's delivered right to your door. That's what we all have to do, right? Uh-huh. That's what the whole climate is about. What, what do we do about climate? Talk about it. Be aware of it. Talk about it with your family, with your friends. Uh-huh. Not like be, you know, be the bummer at every party kind of a thing, but just it has to be in our awareness because we all have to do everything we can. Some of us can't do much. Some of us can do a lot. But this is the problem that's going to crush our children. And, yeah. we, and we can act on it now. Yeah. I hope, I hope people come away with that. Thank you, Bruce. I mean, listen, it's it's nice talking to you, man. Really educational, and I'm I'm gonna build a green home someday when I can afford it. Probably not in L.A. Probably have to go far away from Call L.A. Me. <laughs> right? Anyway, and let me know when you get Rupert Murdoch on the show. <laughs> okay, all right. Adios, mi gente. Nos vemos. You guys go check on Bruce. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank bro. you. <laughs> <laughs>